Good morning and welcome to our pricing podcast with the Professional Pricing Society. I am Lisa Fisher, Senior Director with the Professional Pricing Society. Today we will feature our very special guest and member of the PPS Board of Advisors, Lydia DiLiello, Founder and Principal with Capital Pricing Consultants, LLC. You can find Lydia at CapitalPricingConsultants.com and follow Lydia on Twitter at Lydia DiLiello. Today's topic of discussion is current pricing trends. Hello, Lydia, and thank you for joining us again. We are happy to have you, and we look forward to your pricing expertise. Good morning, Lisa, and thanks so much for the invitation to join you. I'm excited about today's discussion topic. Um, and let me give the viewers just a little bit of background about who I am and, and kind of how I came into pricing. So Lisa, Absolutely. as you said, my name is Lydia Giliello, and I founded the firm Capital Pricing Consultants. Uh, I've been in the pricing and revenue management space 23 years. I started out working uh, for a very large automotive manufacturer, working second shift afternoon turn, hard to believe, uh, mm -hmm. when I had first come out of graduate school and just totally by chance fell into pricing because it was an opportunity to get actually off of the line and get into the offices. And so I happened into pricing totally by accident. Um, but I found that I really loved the combination of art and science and the ability to take what you knew in your gut as you interpreted data and make it something that was useful to managers and to the executive group that you could actually act on and see a result in terms of how much profit the company made and the ways in which sales were able to use the information. So um, I was fortunate to be promoted up through the ranks at the uh, automotive manufacturer. And then from there, I moved on into a, uh, a mid-sized classic company who had not really started their pricing journey. They were um, at the time I joined them, just working with the clerical staff, and as a lot of our members are still working with. Um, and so I really see exciting opportunities for the profession as I meet so many of our members and see kind of the breadth and depth that they've gone through from whether it be clerical all the way to very, very sophisticated pricing models. Um, and so actually as, as I worked with that plastic manufacturer, when we got to the point of them being established with pricing models um, and really had achieved their journey, I decided it was time to go out and uh, share my experience with other companies and, and broaden my scope. So just kind of in a nutshell, that's a little bit about my journey. And one of the things that I see now that's so exciting is um, just last week, pricing was in the news as a result of, of uh, Hurricane Matthew. And Certainly our hearts go out to all of those that were affected by Hurricane Matthew. Um, it, we hope that the, all those folks are able to regain not only their, their power, but also uh, their homes and their lands as quickly and their lives as quickly as possible. But the governor of the state of Georgia actually cautioned against price gouging as a result of Hurricane Matthew. So, it really speaks to how far the profession has come from just kind of being a, a cost plus clerical function that gets done. Um, really up through now, uh, government officials warning and, and guiding uh, businesses not, not to overprice in, in times of crisis. 
Absolutely, which, you know, we've seen in the past can absolutely happen. Well, that was excellent, Lydia. Thank you for that background and sharing a little bit about your journey. Let's jump right in to our topic for today. Now, we are going to be talking about pricing trends and what you see in the landscape. Lydia, tell us a little bit about um, the four areas that you're going to cover today. So today, Lisa, we'll talk about resurgence of software. Uh, I'm seeing a strength in, in software once again in pricing. Uh, the second area is inconsistency in communication and pricing strategies. The third is fear of price increases, and it's amazing no matter the size of the company. Everybody's afraid to adjust their prices upwards. And then finally, we'll talk a bit about data overload. Um, in our world where we capture absolutely every bit and bite, um, what I see in terms of trends with clients and in the industry overall. Okay, wonderful. So let's just jump right in. So in terms of resurgence of software, what have you seen or what are you seeing? So I see, once again, and it, it seems to be cyclical, but um, in the last three years or so, I, I really see a strength growing in the marketplace. Many, many software vendors are now popping up. Smaller companies looking to address those companies that, like them, are growing and small, but not in the hundreds of millions of dollars category, and so therefore can't afford the, the giant mega softwares that are out on the market today. Um, I also see those large, old, established firms who have been selling software 25 years growing and expanding with the market interest. And so what I mean by that is it, it used to be enough with the software to provide some analytics and to provide a way to get a quote out to the customer mm -hmm. at the price that you desired. So it, it used to be fairly straightforward. Now we have grown more and more complex over the last 15 years uh, in terms of now we provide segmentation and we provide optimization in the software and we provide guidelines for the sales force. And so the, the pricing function itself has really expanded uh, dramatically and we hear a lot of resurgence now around this topic of CPQ, which stands for configure, price, and quote. And that term was actually coined back in, I think, the 70s around manufacturing. But essentially what it's about is, if you have a manufactured product, how do you arrive at the right price and make sure you've got all of the customizable components in it? How do you get the price appropriate to that configured product? And then how do you actually get it quoted to your end customer? Um, and I see these, the CPQ vendors growing very, very quickly as this is becoming applicable now across all industries because everyone wants to be able to get their product priced correctly in the hands of their customers as quickly as possible because we know that the quicker you quote, the higher the chances are that you'll seal that deal. So uh, really in terms of software, those are the two main things that I see that are really going on right now is resurgence in small areas and then in those companies that are larger that focus on CPQ and an expansion of, of becoming very sophisticated around that pricing. 
And that leads um, into a nice segue around pricing strategy. And um, what specifics, Lydia, can you share about the inconsistency and in communication of a strategy? Because obviously, if a, a company large or small is going to embark on the usage of software, that has to be kind of tailored into their strategy. So what inconsistencies um, do you see there? Well, I see it started really even at the definition list, so it sounds a little strange, but honestly, regardless of the size of the company, the definition that a functional manager has, the person responsible for the day-to-day -day operations, whether it's in pricing or in finance or in sales, if you ask them to define what the pricing strategy is, most of the time the, the other functional areas besides pricing really don't have any clear idea of what it is. And even within pricing, if you ask four different people, you'll get four different definitions. So the, the key challenge that I see is what strategy means to the executive group and how it is then conveyed down through the organization within pricing and then dispersed out to the other functional areas is extremely inconsistent. And so what that results in is you get tactical errors. You get inconsistencies in answers to questions like, can I discount distributor X? You ask that question on Monday, and you're told, absolutely not. Sales comes back and asks that question Wednesday of a different person, and it's very likely they will get a different answer. And that answer is likely to be either maybe or yes. And that kind of behavior and dynamic then creates chaos in the organization and just feeds that, that challenge um, it, that naturally that pull between sales and pricing that already exists. So I would say inconsistency of, of communication and real understanding of what that strategy means is so critical in every organization that I've worked with. Great. And um, kind of segueing, your, your topics seem to just kind of fall or build on, on top of each other. Um, you talked a little bit about in your intro you're going to discuss the fear of increasing prices. What do you mean by that? So again, Lisa, this is unanimous whether a company is a million in sales or $26 billion. Um, what I see is there is such a reticence, such a concern to increase prices because big or small companies are afraid they will lose customers. Uh, especially in a competitive environment, they feel that if they raise prices, customers are going to walk away. And what I found in my practice is when it is very targeted and surgical and extremely well communicated and you tie a price increase to something very visible, for example, a, a raw material cost increase. Um, you can teach your customers to ex not only accept increases from you, but when to accept them and how much to expect from you. And by that, what I'm referencing is you can set up surcharge programs, for example, that would tie to uh, actual raw material cost increases. But again, that becomes about communication. Otherwise, you end up in a situation where your customers never know when you're going to raise a price. And so if you do, and it's very rare that you do that, you'll find that they will go shopping because they have nothing to utilize as a comparison. They have no background information on how you typically react as a company. Um, and so that's really an issue across the board. 
for startups, uh, again, as well as for very large established companies. Excellent. And then finally, Lydia, the last trend that we're going to discuss is data overload. Let's talk a little bit about that. So, Lisa, I think we're all so accustomed to uh, data overload in our, our general lives. There's not one second of our day that's not recorded in some fashion, either on a cell phone, an email, through all of the social media available to us. And everywhere we go, we have reward cards that swipe and capture our data. And one of the things we see with this metadata that is, is now being captured, hundreds of thousands of lines of data, the question starts to become, is more really any better than a specific subset of data? And in my opinion, the answer is no, more is not better. Um, if you have issues with dirty data, which I think we all do, it's only a matter of how dirty is it really, um, mm -hmm. then the more of it you have, the more you've got to clean and the more you've got to vet out and understand with the output of the data, what's your end goal? How do you interpret that? Um, and so I caution all of my clients against assuming that just because you've got 200,000 lines of data, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be good analytical quality data. Um, what I try to focus on is what is the output, what are your question are you trying to answer with your data? And then work with those groups that have the closest impact on that data to say, for example, if we're looking at, at sales volume, then I want to talk to the sales force about that data set and say to them, does this make any sense to you? Do a litmus test of, of just check it for reasonableness. Does it make sense um, before you get caught up in, well, how many thousands of lines do we need? Um, I would say check it for sensibility and then check your recommendation for reasonableness against functional areas. If you get a, an output from a huge amount of data that seems to be completely opposite of what you would have thought and what your gut expectation was, it makes sense to go back and check it. And just because you have more lines of data doesn't mean it's going to give you a better answer. Excellent. The other, I'm sorry, continue, Lydia. I, just one other thought, Lisa, that I sure. wanted to, to add in for our members. One other thought that kind of comes back to where we started, Lisa, with the software is mm -hmm. there's also, I think, a trend in the marketplace that says we've got all this data. We've got to put it in software. Mm -hmm. And my caution against that is if you are not working with the business processes in your company, if you are not looking at clean, clear communication, don't assume that software is going to fix all of those other challenges that you're working with. It's not the end-all, be-all. It, it does amazing things for the bottom line if a company is willing to take on those other challenges and clean up <laughs> their data mm -hmm. uh, that mm -hmm. they're putting in. But that's really the starting place is you've got to be willing to put the work and the resources behind addressing that data before you can just push it into software. 
Excellent. Lydia, you have covered um, lots of great topics and trends today. Um, just as a quick recap, we talked about the resurgence of pricing software. We talked about the inconsistency and in communication of pricing strategy and how important that is at all levels of the organization. We've also talked about fear of price increases and then finally the data overload um, situation. So if there's um, any additional questions for Lydia, again, she can be um, found on Twitter at Lydia DeLiello, and her company's website is capitalpricingconsultants.com. Lydia, thank you again for joining us and sharing all of your awesome insight on the latest trends in pricing. Lydia will also present a full one-day workshop entitled Straightforward Tactics to Increase Profitability When Your Pricing Isn't Perfect at the PPS 27th Annual Fall Pricing Workshops and Conference in Las Vegas from October 25th through the 28th. Please visit the PPS website at pricingsociety.com for additional details on Lydia's workshop and the full conference agenda. Don't forget to get social with PPS and subscribe to our pricing blog, thepricingauthority.com, and follow us on Twitter and Periscope at Pricing Society. Stay tuned for our monthly pricing podcast where other industry experts join us to share their pricing best practices. And Lydia, thank you again, and we will see you in Las Vegas. Lisa, thanks so much. I'm looking forward to seeing you all in Vegas.